0: Nice deep breath in and release with a sigh. Nice. Thank you for being here this morning. We are in the process of making some changes at the eleven o'clock service, things that will go into effect in the next couple of weeks, and so I'm looking a little closer at this service and. Because I don't want us to get too loud because we're in a nice, quiet place. I'd just like you to put your hands up just so I can get a little quick idea. Well, you have to wait till I ask you for something. <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> this is, I could play Simon Says and we'd do really good right now. <laughs> so how many of you, Ooh, I lost my balance. How many of you like the prayer circlet process? How many of you like the oming? Okay. How many of you like singing out what we did in meditation? Okay. Very good. Gives me some ideas. I have a story to read to you. Actually, it's not really a story. It's just a, a reading from a gal from Unity Village. And her name is Michelle Alverson. And this is called Heaven Can Be So Cold. Come here, Mama, my daughter Danielle called to me excitedly as she stared outside the window. Right now. Hearing her urgency but wanting to finish my breakfast, I reluctantly hurried to look outdoors. Twenty-plus inches of snow on the ground and being trapped in the house like an icy prison for days had made me grouchy and I didn't want to move. Look, do you see it? I, of course, saw nothing, nothing but whiteness in a snow-capped landscape. The tree, my daughter said. She pointed as I peered closer. There it was, the tiniest of trees, covered top to bottom in solid ice. I thought how remarkable it was that the little tree hadn't fallen or even leaned from the weight of the ice. It stood tall with an ethereal splendor, reminding me that I could find beauty in the midst of anything, even in a blizzard. Almost immediately, I was ashamed at my initial hesitation. Life was calling me, urging me to take notice and marvel at it. Perhaps this is what Charles Fillmore, Unity's co-founder, meant when he wrote, Every atom is alive and capable of expressing unlimited life. Unlimited life in the form of spirit. Is God. There was wonder to behold in nature on that wintry day, an opportunity not to be missed. I was so focused and frustrated by the heavy snowfall that my soul had grown cold to the rhythm of life. Lowell Fillmore, son of Unity founders Charles and Myrtle, once wrote in Weekly Unity Like a motion picture screen, the natural world reflects either the perfection and beauty of God's heaven or the double world of human misunderstanding. In other words, we can choose to see splendor in the smallest of things. We can change our perspective when things are not looking as positively as they should. We can elect to bring God's good world into the here and now. Nature can sometimes remind us to turn up our faith. My daughter and I admired that tree for a long time. Neither of us able to break our attention from its icy glory. At that moment, I was still and at peace, a co-witness to all that is good and heaven sent. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. Why then do we look to an outer realm known as heaven as the essence of beauty and love? Heaven is neither near nor far. It is what you make it. Even something as simple as staring at a tree. Charles Fillmore described heaven as a high state of spiritual consciousness. The more we open up to our divine nature, the more we live in that state of harmony known as heaven. At that moment, I could have easily ignored my daughter's eagerness and chosen to stay at the dining room table, eating my breakfast and nourishing my unhappiness. I don't think it was a coincidence that she called me to witness the grandeur of a tree. As tiny as the tree appeared, it reminded me that divine life surrounds us at all times, and the same God who formed and shaped each of its branches to stand tall and regal in the midst of adversity lives within me and all of us. We are moving toward that wintry season, aren't we? toward the time when it will get cold. And and we certainly have had a lot of things happen that might feel like adversity just over the last few months. We've been through fires and floods and all kinds of personal things. There's been a lot. There's actually been a lot in the season of growth this year. We have done a lot of growing. <laughs> Very dramatic, emotional growing this year. And as we move towards the winter and towards a time of contemplation, it's a really important thing to consider what state of mind we take into that season. Whether we will go in harboring our frustration and our irritation with the challenges that have come into our path this summer, or whether we will move into that time ready to reflect on what we learned. So we've spent this whole month talking about a sense of place, and this is probably of the of the entire calendar of focused topics. This is probably the most challenging for me this year because I've, I found myself in preparing for this all along saying, what is important about this? What is it I'm, I want to express here? A sense of place. And these themes, if you were not here for the whole year, these themes are taken from a calendar, excuse me, from a calendar that Unity puts out each year. And so there's a lot of study gone that goes into what the monthly topics are. And uh, we have, for the last couple of years, followed the calendar because they've done a lot of research on these topics, they being Unity Village, on these topics being important to the people who attend Unity Churches. So that's how those topics came to be and why I didn't know going right into it what, what what this would mean. And it's an interesting exploration for me as well. And so we've talked about sense of place from a lot of different perspectives over the, over the last month. And we have five weeks, which gives me a little extra time. And I want to talk today about sense of place as relates to memory. Because everything that we know about sense of place comes from one of two places. It either comes from memory or it comes from imagination. So memory, the difference between those two, they both happen in the mind and they both happen in the divine mind. Memory is a reflection on something that has already occurred and is is backward-looking. And imagination is forward-looking. It looks into a place that we haven't been yet. And when we go into the season of contemplation, which place are we working in? Looking back or looking forward? A little bit of both, aren't we? They, the first part of that process is to take time to reflect. And so that's the season that we're going into. That's the part of this season that we will slow down between now and the, the deep middle of winter. We will slow down And look back at at our harvest. What did we grow through this season? What has come to us? What do we have now as a result? We are in the season of reflection. All the way down to the season where we celebrate the coming light, which happens mid-December. When we begin to celebrate the coming light, when we celebrate Christmas and the birth of the light when all of that season comes to be, then we begin to move forward in our thinking again because it's almost spring. And it's time for us to imagine into what our next cycle will be like. But for today, I want to talk about just the next few months and memory because the memory of God is your natural inheritance. If you were born and see yourself as the creation of the divine. And if you follow the line of thought that we are intimately, completely and wholly connected to the divine mind, mind and heart. Then the memory of God is your natural inheritance. If you are a child of God. The memory of God is your natural inheritance. So what exists in the memory of God What do you carry inside of you that is important about that statement? Last week, we touched a little bit on the topic of power places, places that we go that feel important to us. We don't know why we've never been there before. First time we're there and we know this is our place in the world. It's our place in the world because it feels open. Because there's room for us there. Because we can stretch into that space. Because we can breathe fully and freely. Because our body is relaxed. Because there's a state of peace and connectedness that comes to us that is unique in the world. How is it that that happens? How is it that we know that when we've never been to a place before? Because it exists In the memory of God. Because it was created to be exactly that. And we walk in the memory of God all the time. When we talk about meeting someone. Where our souls meet. When you know someone on a much deeper level than you could possibly know them. The moment that you meet them. It's an encounter in the memory of God. There's two aspects of the memory of God coming together. And you don't have to know what the memory is. You have to know what the feeling is. So how would your life change if you were to look around at all of your life and consider that you might be walking in every step through the mind of God? That everything that you encounter is some aspect of that mind, of that heart, of that presence. What if every place you are is the memory of God? Why are memories important? We know they are, don't we? Do you know if you look at, at phenomenons in our modern life like Facebook, Facebook is all about remembering, isn't it? Facebook is totally about the reason it's so powerful for us is because we're afraid we'll forget. And we don't want to be forgotten, more importantly. Why is Facebook the phenomenon where we demonstrate our lives? Because we don't want to be forgotten. What we love about it is we can touch all the way back to people we went to school with. Old friends and family, cousins that we grew up with and live far away from. People we worked with and now don't have any modern uh, person-to-person contact with. Facebook and social media's, uh, media allows us to remember everything. Everybody, every place we've been. You know me, I use Facebook regularly to post pictures of the beautiful things I see in the world because I won't forget them, because they're always there. Carry a camera with me every, everywhere. The best thing that ever happened in my life was when the camera and the phone connected. You know, this is power. <laughs> now I can take pictures and talk to you at the same time. <laughs> so, you know, we really care about memories because memories are where we store the worthiness of our lives. The worth and value, the beauty, the connectedness, all things important are stored in our memory. Now, there are other things stored in our memory. Every yucky thing that happened, like the taste of asparagus when you're seven. Right? Oh. (laughs) I remember that. It's different now because I don't cook it slimy. You know? (laughs) You you learn as you get older, don't you, how to make the yucky memories taste better. You learn how to make the yucky memories taste better because you change your story about them. Because you live, you walk forward or backward in the mind of God. And new possibilities are always evolving, always presenting themselves. So what place do you choose to live your life? What place do you put yourself when you consider who you are and what you do? Do you choose to live in the frustration? Do you choose to live in memories of anger? Because, gosh, if I can just remember what made me angry, I'll never create that again. Do you choose to live in the reflection on what went wrong? Or the reflection on, of what you learned from your experience? These are moment-by-moment moment decisions that we make every day of our life. It's more than just a concept that we will live in the mind of God. It's a choice. It's a choice we make in every single moment. And when our human mind gets wrapped up in, in the kind of thought that sends us spiraling downward, we can in that instant choose something different. We can, in that instant, realize that there is nothing but the mind of God and all the substance that exists in that. And that everything that exists there has a holiness and a sacredness to it and value and worth. And we can change our perspective. I often talk about arguing perspective that if you have a a, a vase of flowers in front of you, made of roses on one side and carnations on the other, you can argue all day about with the person sitting across from you about whether there are roses or carnations in there and you're both going to be right and you're both going to be wrong. Right? If you turn things around, you see a different perspective. If you choose to use your sense of place to see what is holy rather than what is human, We use that excuse to, geez, Ariana, I'm only human. No, you are not only human. You are human in the mind of God. You are the energy and substance. Every cell in your body, every breath that you breathe, every movement that you make is holy. You are God. The kingdom of God is within us. What a powerful, powerful piece of scripture that is. And it's reflected in many holy books. What a powerful statement that is. I'm going to give you a little, um, a little uh, glimpse into the future. You know, I've been writing this article for the Independent with Jim Daly. And I have an article coming out next week. And the question is, does God care which team wins or loses? And I told him, of course God does, because that's why there's a hole in the top of Texas stadium so that God can watch his team play. (laughs) What we talked about, and you can read it in the independent, but what we bantered back and forth about really in substance was scriptures that refer to the fact that God is aware of every single hair on your head that that these small things don't seem significant to us but they are that in the, the mind of God is so complex there is so much in the mind of God that every single thing that happens is interconnected and interrelated and That brings us back to where the mind of God is. And if we carry the mind of God in our own heart here within us, then my argument is God absolutely cares who wins. Because of what you're going to learn from it. Sometimes you have to learn what it's like to be on one side of the game and sometimes you have to learn what it's like to be on the other side of the game. Every single moment of our life provides an opportunity for learning. And if you are carrying God within you. If you are animated by fully embraced by and totally walking as God, you care about things, don't you? You absolutely care about what happens. You care differently. If you choose to walk in the mind of God, if you choose to express the memory of God and when holy things happen, when you don't know how it is that you got through that thing that was so hard. It's because the memories of God sustained you. Because you inherited the memory of all that is and in that memory is value and worth and purpose. And you can name God any way you want, by any name or sense. You can talk about God as energy. You can talk about God as Christ. You can talk about God as the reflection of the Buddha. You can talk any way you want. It still comes back to the same thing. We exist because there is something that animates us. The one thing that science can't tell us is where does that come from? What is that? And we have the distinct privilege of living in that and having access to all of it and using it. So when you think to yourself, I'm not wise enough to know what to do about this, stand still in the memory of God. Let yourself live in the memory of God and call forth from inside of you that memory. It's your natural inheritance. It's who you are. When you're not sure what to say, Stand still in the memory of God and the right words will come. When you're not sure whether to take action or not, be still. And in the mind of God, whatever you need to know will come. And that is the way that we walk when we walk as living expressions of the holy. When we choose to be the living divine expressing here. That's how we do it. We remember the place. We remember who we are and where we are and why we are. I have some quotes for you.